1: Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to the Apocalypse Podcast. The annual Made by Google October event is now done and dusted, having delivered two Pixel smartphones, a new Chromebook, new wireless headphones... New Nest Mini and a rebranding of Google Wi-Fi to Nest Wi-Fi. Yes, a lot, we know. And Chris joins me to discuss what their big announcements actually mean. Meanwhile, I've been chatting to former England and Wasp rugby player James Haskell about how he uses data in training, what he thinks of the use of TMO in the game, and what's next as a sportsman, including his move into mixed martial arts. And Cam walks us through the new Beats Solo Pro headphones. Are they better than the previous Solo 3 wireless that they replace what's different and should you get one so chris back to you new pixels should we be excited
0: that's a tricky question okay <laughs> so google has announced two new phones and they basically replaced the pixel 3 and pixel 3 xl so there's two sizes once again um the thing that is uh, the big change here really is about adding more cameras to the back of the phone and removing a camera from the front of the phone. Instead of having a uh, a pair of cameras on the front of the phone to give you wide-angled selfies, they have completely ditched that idea and now moved over to including a uh, an infrared scanning face unlock system as well as including uh, their solid chip, which is a radar chip that can be used to detect presence and motion. Now, before we...
1: Before we go on to discuss that a bit further, I just want to backtrack ever so slightly and say more cameras on the back. I thought Google said that that was never a thing that they needed to do.
0: Yeah, they did. They said, they. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the interesting things about the way that Google pitches its devices is it says over and over and over again that it's not about hardware. In fact, the whole of the presentation was about ambient computing and how technology and machine learning and artificial intelligence will improve your life through technology, rather than focusing on the specifics of technology itself. And so in the past, they had said, well, we can do all of these things using a single lens camera, we don't need two lenses. But on this one, they have decided to add an extra telephoto lens on the back, the aim being to improve the performance of the zoom. And you'll probably know that lots of uh, smartphone manufacturers use a lot of AI now in their zoom to try and clean up. So they have what they call a hybrid system where they're using some of the, some artificial intelligence and some coming from the optical source of those cameras to, to give you a clean zoomed image. Certainly, these things are a lot better than they have been on, on in the past. But that seems to be where Google is really focusing itself. There's a certain feeling that Google might be slightly out of step with the rest of the market here because most other people like Apple on the new iPhone have been adding wide angle lenses and lots of people are getting excited about wide angle lenses but Google hmm. in their presentation said we think zoom is more fun and yeah it's slightly strange because zoom was fun a couple of years ago now wide angle is fun
1: yeah we've seen that with like the Oppo 10x for example you know the huge zooms and obviously the, the Huawei P30 I think had quite a p20 had a, a pretty impressive zoom didn't it so do we think does that mean based on previous experience that we're now going to see a wide-angle camera on the pixel 5 <laughs> We're already talking about next uh, year
0: yeah like well like i it would seem likely. It would seem like an easy upgrade to make. But the, the the other thing to consider really is that Google has had a system that will take wide-angle photos for many, many, many years. Um, going all the way back to some of the earliest Google cameras on Nexus devices, you could use a thing called Photosphere, which was originally designed to take 360-degree photos like, like the inside of a bubble, really, that you could then drop mm. into Google Maps. That system still exists. So if you want to take a photo that includes more than the lens will fit in, you can just take a series of photos, have it stitched together, AI then comes along and cleans it up. It's a very, very good feature, but it's slightly hidden, and it's certainly not as easy as just tapping on a button in the viewfinder and having a wide angle lens.
1: Now before we carry before we go back to to the SOLI chip which I want to hear about a little bit more Pixel has always been renowned for good low light photography. Yes. Does the focus still stay there with this now, or is they kind of think, "Oh, that's, that's, we've done and dusted, and there's nowhere to improve"? Yeah,
0: I mean, it's very, very obvious that having sort of shaken up the whole thing by introducing uh, a very, very powerful night shooting mode last year, um, everybody else has really caught up and overtaken what you can, what you could do on the previous Pixels. So there is, there are further improvements in the new devices and these will let you do things like take pictures of stars they're talking about astrophotography um the big caveat with with a lot of these improvements is that you'll have to keep the phone perfectly steady so you suddenly Mm. move from a handheld shot in a bar which everybody can now do to sticking your phone on a tripod having it supported in a place where there's no artificial light so you can take pictures of the stars it it is moving towards quite advanced professional photography features from a phone which is amazing and the technology is amazing but i don't know how often people are going to find themselves in a situation where they can where they actually want to do that
1: i mean this is your classic sort of well it's we're designing it for the team that are in silicon valley who aren't far from yosemite and they spend their weekends camping and therefore someone's gone i want to be able to take a picture of the night sky with my phone yeah and everybody else in the world well maybe you just get some pollution from london yeah
0: i mean it's it's just a sort of continue it's just the next step on the line of the uh, the one-upmanship that goes on in in smartphone launches really it's another chance for google to say look what we can do and in this case they will be saying, look what we can do through, through artificial intelligence and machine learning and all of the rest of it, because the raw data that comes from the camera is, is then processed and cleaned up. And all of this stuff is happening on the device to give you the final image. That goes all the way back to what we said at the beginning about them talking about ambient computing and how all of this stuff is going to make your life better, but a, and not necessarily being dependent on the hardware itself. And
1: so going back to that, that's a nice, thank you very much for that segue, the hardware perspective on well, the final bit on the pixels, the solid chip. So that's kind of like for people that have got an iPhone, i heard more about that. It's kind of like a face ID approach.
0: Well, sort of. There's, or is it more? There's It's it's slightly different because the, the top, the forehead, as people call it, the bezel at the top of the display, contains a whole range of sensors. And that includes uh, an infrared dot projector and infra- infrared cameras, And that is basically the same system that that Apple uses for Face ID. So it will give you a scan of your face so it can recognize you when you pick up the phone, so it instantly unlocks the phone. One of the interesting things here is that, and and it's in one of the declarations that Google has put on the phone, is that it will work on people when they have their eyes closed, which means if you're asleep, someone can unlock your phone just by pointing it at your face. Um, And Hmm. that Face ID doesn't do that, does it?
1: No, it's your face ID. You actually have to. You can set it so it has. You actually have to actively look at the device. Uh, you can turn that down if you don't want to, because it sometimes can be annoying. But you know, for that level of of, of thing, and so you sometimes see in, in Hollywood TV shows and things like that. You know, people going, look, open. I want to see what your messages are, and and you know, look at the phone, look at the phone, kind of thing. But if you can just do it while you're asleep, my kids would. They just they just go in and. yeah nick my phone while i'm sleeping
0: yeah i mean i suppose uh, in a slightly macabre sense if you find somebody who's fallen over in the street and is unresponsive you can unlock their phone but um only
1: only you would think about that chris from a a very british perspective well
0: yeah somebody had somebody had said on twitter that you'll be able to unlock the phone of dead people because it will just recognize that person
1: so wrapping up because we we don't have too much time left to talk to you unfortunately um what's what's your big big thing from the rest of the announcements is there anything else we should be paying attention to
0: well there's i mean there are some other hardware refreshes um covering all of google's areas really new nest mini which is going to be a better performing thing there's a new nest wi-fi that w- which adds in voice control so you'll be able to say to your uh, your wi-fi extender you know to Shut off the Wi-Fi, or shut off a particular group of um, devices that are attached to it, which is quite interesting. Um, mm. And then, you know, uh, and Google is still working on their Pixel Books, and we have a new Pixel Books, Pixel Chromebook, that thing that is going to come in slightly lower priced than some of the very, very premium devices they've done before. And they're obviously looking at things like Surface and and thinking there's an opportunity to really get in and, and push the uh, uh, the Chrome OS experience forward.
1: Still to come, Cam gives us his opinion on the new Beats Solo Pro headphones.
2: You get a nice amount of detail in the highs and the mids and also there's there's a good amount of bass there as you would expect from a pair of Beats.
1: James Haskell announced his retirement in August 2019, having earned 77 caps for England over the last 12 years. At the recent launch of a Vodafone 5G business lounge at the Ricoh Stadium in Coventry, where he spent many years playing for Wasps, I chatted with the sportsman about how he uses data to train, how he believes England aren't using the masses of data they collect effectively, and what's next for the sportsman. I started by asking him how technology is changing rugby in both the game and training.
3: I think technology has changed rugby dramatically, uh, whether it's for the better, uh, I'm still uh, open-minded about that. I think, you know, my issue and Buggy is Bugbear with rugby in particular is that we have access to a lot of data, but we don't utilise it in the right way. Um, you know, I think data should lead to far more individualised training, should be much more focused on uh, helping player welfare and maximising stuff. I think we collect data, but we don't necessarily seem to... Um, you know, do anything with it, or or, or or do as much as we can with it. I think Eddie Jones is very different in his approach, and he's used data a lot more. And I think that's pretty pretty special. Um, and that might be from the wellness stuff in the morning down to. Um, you know, it might be down to uh, you know looking at stuff on the training pitch and saying that you've run quite a lot this week. We're gonna we're gonna take that off. You know, we're gonna take you give you a session out, and I think that's that's important. And I think it has changed it in terms of you know having digestible content, the analysis element of it, being able to segment games very quickly into certain clips, and be able to create that. It's, it's been pretty special. And now you've uh, you've obviously retired from professional rugby, but do you?
1: Did you find that you were using data for yourself to be able to train and, and did that make you a better player?
3: Um look I, I think I you know I use data all the way through my career. I think you know every consumer now wants to wear FitTech you know, uh, or have some sort of stuff and be able to compare themselves with each other and create data. You know, I, I use technology d- dramatically in my, especially my last few years of playing, tracking all my food, tracking all my diet, uh, you know, using my fitness pal, um, you know, tra- understanding the amount of calories I was burning, distances I was traveling, heart rates, uh, you know, looking at my sleep patterns at night, how long I was sleeping for. And I think, that, you know, for me, that's been a real feature. Um, and I think ultimately, uh, I, I have always used technology, but I used it, you know, holistically so that that would be from the data collection in the morning through training to eating to business stuff to social media to video analysis of what i was doing to my own content creation to video editing to you know to drones to cameras to everything so i used it all the time and it massively pervaded every area of my life um did it make me a better player Mm, no because i don't think i don't think it was you, the data would utilise the prop you know it's one thing doing it, doing it yourself but as a team if you ultimately used it you know if they individualised training far more for me you know they would test me uh, and say you've got areas of weakness here 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 and then nothing about my training would look like anything to do with making that better so you just not use the data so it's pointless and know? do you
1: think that's one of the fears that if you're a young player and you're coming into it and you think right i've got to overanalyse all the data that's being given to me that it, you could almost forget about the game that you're supposed to be yes, playing. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because 100%. you're thinking
3: too much about the tech. I think in this country we're overcoached uh, anyway, and I know already- Eddie. Quoted saying that a, a number of times. I think it's important to know that technology gets you so far. And gives you one picture. Stats give you another picture. Emotion and a feel for the game and the actual game is another picture. You have to combine all three and, and never lose sight of that they play it all all three together. That's the same way as you know we we digesting trends in business and everything else like that. You know things are transitory. Things are what they are. You know there are some data doesn't lie, but it doesn't give you the whole picture. Uh, and I think, you know, there's a lot of data used in Machiavellian ways now, if you watch the documentaries about all the voting and bidding and, uh, you know, I think they, they say that during that last election, they, they had seven, 17 data points on every single individual in the thing and knew about their voting habits and routines. So I think in, in, in rugby, there's a, for the last eight years, they've been collecting data, maybe longer. So. It'd be interested to see what the trends are, how it all links up, but everyone's very secretive, so there isn't a global sharing thing of that, you know.
1: Now we've been watching the Rugby World Cup the last couple of weeks. There's a sense that the TMO is is quite an important element
3: of the game now, at, at, certainly at that level. Do you think that's a good thing? Is that a, a bad thing? To um, look, I, I, I'm not a fan of uh, uh, slow motion. I think slow motion creates uh, more issues. I think it takes away any of the emotion. Again, it's for me utilizing something that without any of the emotion which is just no good because everything we do, we're humans, we're, we're emotion. we're not robots. You know, if a robot did a high tackle, then it was a fault in the programme. I mean, a rugby player does that. It's, was it emotion? Was it wrong? Was it missed time? Was the guy ducking? You know, was he trying to milk a penalty? I think you know, it's leading towards uh, guys milking stuff, uh, which is fine. I think they're obviously trying to make the game uh, safer, but, but you know, I think that it is a massively integral part of it, but it's got to be utilised in the same way and it's made the game stop-start like American football. But you can't have it both ways. You can't have that. Maybe with the advent of 5G, you maybe get more of a seamless uh, look at stuff very quickly, be able to analyse it and beam it across. And, you know, uh, but referees, they're under scrutiny now. You know, they've gone from being these people that didn't have much accountability to they're having to come out and say at the beginning of the World Cup, oh, we haven't been as good as we need to be. That's revolutionary. They, you know, these guys now... Um, you know, are, are having to own it because there's no escaping for it. They're, they are subject to the same scrutiny we are. So I think it is an important part. I've got no problem with it. I think as long as it's utilized in the right way and the people who are interpreting it do it in the right way, you know, they they, they understand that about the intent, they understand about accidents, they understand about, you know, uh, these things happen, you know. Now
1: we're here at the Rico Stadium, uh, home of the WASPs, where you, you played a lot of your games over your career. Uh, talking to the sort of the CEO of, of Wasp Sport here and talking to some, some of the audience in, in, in the talk that we've just been wean at, there seems to be a lot of, of excitement about stats and about getting stats to the, to the, the fans and the audience uh, around it. It's almost coming sort of F1-like in that capability, do you think that that's that's helpful for an audience? To you know, when you go and watch a game, do you want as many stats, or do you just want to sort of
3: zone out and enjoy the game for it is? No, I mean, I, you know, you, you, if you, I'm probably the most unkeen rugby fan you've ever met. So, do I want to digest stats? No, you know, I look at some stuff on on TV coverage. It's interesting to see missed tackles and bits and pieces and see what that leads to. You know, I, I think individual stats and stuff are quite quite interesting for people to for the armchair pundits to understand. Uh, what goes on because you know, a lot of fans, a lot of sports people they, they only look at the headline things. Big tackle, always oh, had a great game, score a try, he's had a great game, but he's missed 17 tackles, he hasn't hit any rucks, stood out on the wing all the time. You know, being looking at, and uh, look, analyzing that data stuff will be quite interesting for people to be able to see actually, you know, so and so got man of the match, but actually, so and so got man of the match. You know, why is that person not being picked? Well, it turns out every game he does this and this. That will give more of a picture and I help uh, fans probably be more ed- educated and informed. But, you know, journalists need to do that, you know, because they're the ones that write stuff about But I watch journalists sit and for the first half of the game, they're glued to their laptops because so they've got to get their copy out by half-time, sure. you know, and, and, and they're not interacting so they need to have access to that. So I think, as a whole, being able to create a clearer picture of what's playing, what is a complicated game, you know, the reason for me uh, rugby is not... Um, you know, as big a global game as it is, it's so it's so complicated that the average person does not understand it. Uh, and uh, you know, it's obviously different iterations of it. The sevens, now the rugby X, that's coming in a five on five, which has taken all the complicated stuff out of it to to di- 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 you know, dilute it into the purest form. I think that's fantastic, but um, you know, it's, it's it's a bit of a bizarre thing, really. And I, and I think that it. it, it, it Hopefully, if you can break down those barriers, give people what they need to, without bombarding them and overcomplicating stuff. But you just—you should be able to have different tiered approaches of how you get that data, you know. And so, what's what's next for you? You've, you've you said DJing, mm.
1: there's martial, mixed martial arts. Mm.
3: How, where, where do you... Well, it not a bit like Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins. <laughs> like one day I'm a chimney sweep, next minute I'm a street painter, then I'm a one-man band. I think, look, you know, my ultimate dream is is, is, is the DJ stuff. I really enjoy it. And everything that I do in my life is about performance. Uh, you know, whether you want to read that as attention seeker or whatever, but I, I love it. You know, um, the speaking, uh, corporate speaking stuff. And you know, I'm doing a speech every day this week. I've done it every day last week. Uh, you know, the DJ stuff is great. I'm in a bit of a weird situation where people in music and in a lot of walks of life, especially around art. You have to have authenticity, you have to be like this, they're not going to just, you know, don't want a celebrity <laughs> DJ and a version commerce, so that's kind of quite interesting. Um, and then the MMA stuff was a challenge, you know, I think always been a big person, always being perceived as quite tough, you know, am I tough, can I learn to fight, can I deal, can I become an individual sportsman, all the things that go off the back of that, all the avenues and opportunities that opens the financial remuneration for doing it. It's all there, so it's quite exciting. But you know, the one constant's is going to be the fight training. Everything else, is nice little bolt-ons. But you know, I, I'm trying to avoid as best I can ever going into an office and ever doing a job that's like nine to five. And I suppose if you're going to MMA, it's all about unlearning all those safety routes, and, and then doing all the high track stuff. Yeah, well, exactly. I don't have to. I don't ever have to learn. You know, that's the beauty of. I've always, when I did MMA stuff before like boxing, jiu-jitsu, I was always coming back to rugby. I always had to relate it around rugby. Now I've just got to learn and do one thing, and that's one thing only. And, that's and so, I mean. have you got a big fight? Uh, Yeah, I mean it will be probably middle of end of next year there will be there's a three-fight deal I'm on so we'll we'll see how it goes. Cool and you talked earlier about sort of social media and the responsibilities
1: of that how important is that to you as as a business you obviously have lots of followers on Mm. Instagram on Twitter and, and things like that is that is that now part and parcel of being a, a, a rugby player, or being a, a personality, being a, a celebrity in that sense, or is that? Do you think we're
3: we're running down a wrong avenue there?
1: Um,
3: look, I think uh, you know social media is a great tool. It's also uh, you know probably the greatest evil unleashed on the human race. I think you know it's it's brought the worst out of people. I mean, look, people are always terrible and they've always been mad people. We just didn't always have access to it and see it, but now everyone can have it. You know, I think Twitter's for me is just a cesspool of of the worst people hate it's kind of the it's like the uh I'm trying to put it it's like the beginners like the intro thing everybody's got your nan's got twitter you know that for me is a dying platform you know i think it's horrible i think instagram's a lot more a lot nicer um i think you know as a, as a business it's all about seeing everything as business oriented i've got a product i've got something i'm selling it otherwise you should not be opening your life up to weird people. You should not be basing your life on likes. It doesn't matter, it should all be about, for, from my point of view, about engagement and sales. Uh, and and you, know, you do that through you know, certain ways of sharing aspects of your life. You create your own profile. Social media is the one bit of PR you can control and you, you form it, you, you massage it, you create it, you create the image that you want people to see. Um, but, but if you lose sight of that and you start buying into what other people see, you get body dysmorphia, you get problems, you get jealousy. Nobody wants to just be a, a cleaner anymore because, you know, they want the Lamborghini, they want the Ferrari, everyone's seen these axes, everyone wants to go on these travelling things. Uh, it's, it's, it's great and it's bad in equal measure, but I, I think the bad is going to f- far outweigh the, any benefit, and it's probably, if it never existed, it would probably be a better thing, I think. And if you could go back to talk to yourself at the beginning mm-hmm. of
1: your career, or a youngster of equivalent who's just starting out in rugby, ta- taking up the, the rounds, getting excited in his first scrum and all mm. those kind of things. What never been excited in a scrum ever. <laughs> but yeah, Karen, yeah.
3: What would be your What would be your sort of one piece of keen advice? To get oh, to I, I mean, my piece of advice is always the same. You know, I work very hard on my my uh, confidence issues, and bizarrely, you know, my demeanour doesn't ever indicate that I, I had big insecurity about that, but I'll back myself, have more confidence, enjoy yourself, Uh, your career will be over before you know it, you know, really, really enjoy it, and and, and have real confidence in your ability, because you're a great player, and 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 that's what I should have done.
1: Beats has unveiled its latest on-ear creation, the Solo Pro. The new headphones build on the success of the Solo 3 wireless range, but completely revamp the experience with more premium materials, plus advanced active noise cancelling features borrowed from the Studio 3 wireless headphones themselves. But are they any good? Pocket Lens Cam Bunton has been wearing the new headphones, listening to a ray of music to give us his opinion on what to like and what could be improved. Cam, let's start with the positives. What do you like about the new Solo Pro
0: headphones?
2: Right, okay, so there's, there's a lot to like. Um, like you said, the premium materials have made quite a big difference to the, not just the look of the headphones, but also the way they feel when you wear them. And when I was speaking to Beats when we initially got showed them a little while back, it sounded like this is a pair of headphones that's been in development with Apple. It's more of a joint work like the Power Beats Pro were. So you've got Apple's attention to detail in design. So you've got things like the mm. the anodized aluminum is there. That's come from Apple's expertise of making things out of aluminum. Uh, and also they've tested a lot of different ear cup materials and angles to make sure that when you wear them, they're as comfortable as they possibly can be. Um, So yeah, they're really comfortable they look great. You don't get any of that horrible shiny plastic that the first, I think the solo three wireless, I think you saw those Mm. a couple of years ago, they were quite shiny plastic and (laughs) very
0: shiny.
2: (laughs) Yeah. whereas these aren't any of those things, this is matte plastic in the areas that are plastic. The aluminium arm that sort of slides in and out of the headband is really nice and smooth. And then the padding on the ear cup, um, it does a really good job of sitting on top of your ear, blocking out as much noise as it can do, but also being comfortable despite the fact that it's on your ear. Um, So, yeah, they're really good, and obviously they sound excellent as well as most of Beats' recent stuff seems to be.
1: Now, one of the things I've always found with Beats is... is it's the kind of that sometimes a bit tight in that sort of you wear them for too long and you kind of feel like your head's about to be squashed in. Um, is that, is that, yeah. solved? Have you noticed that yet?
2: They well, they said they've, they've increased the amount of expansion that you get on the headband because obviously that was an issue with the last Solo 3 wireless. So I've not noticed it being overly tight, no, um, it's fairly comfortable.
1: So you seem to have said lots of nice things about these things, there must be something wrong with them there is always something wrong with everything. So what, what's what's not to like?
2: Okay, so what's not to like, there's no three and a half millimeter input jack. So that means you don't get to use them with a wire and it doesn't come with a cable in the box either. The only one you get is the charging cable. So you have to use them wirelessly or you don't use them at all.
1: So what happens uh, when you're on a on a plane and you want to plug into the entertainment system? You can't, there's no, you there's no physically
2: no way of doing it. No, unless you buy like a uh, Bluetooth Adapter that you can—I mean, various companies make those now, where you can plug in a Bluetooth adapter into the in-flight system and and use your Bluetooth earphones that way. Uh, but no, you can't plug them in with a cable. So that's wow. the one downside, which it's a, it seems like maybe a fairly major one. But I'm presuming Beats has done their research, and they know that most people who buy the Solo's will use them wirelessly, not with a cable.
1: And in terms of sound quality, uh, are they? up to the beats standard
2: i think they are yeah i mean there's a you get a nice amount of detail in the highs and the mids and also there's there's a good amount of bass there as you would expect from a pair of beats they seem really well balanced for the kind of earphones that they are they're really enjoyable to listen to and obviously the anc makes a massive difference as well it's the same active noise cancelling that they had on the studio three and that it sort of observes the kind of noise that's going on around you and then changes the filter that it plays to match wherever you happen to be whether that's in a cafe or on an aeroplane.
1: Hmm. So yeah so the big 269 pound question is that how yes. much they cost <laughs> would you buy a pair?
2: I would yeah. I think there're much there're bigger improvement on the Solo free wireless and those were about 250 pounds when they first came out. And obviously they're smaller they're more portable version of the studio 3 essentially and they offer great sound and they come in a nice little cloth bag that you can just easily take around with you so yeah i would i would buy them
1: that's it for this week if you've enjoyed the show can you please give us a five star rating on the podcast platform you're listening on it really will help raise our profile and let others know you liked it too until next friday pip pip Hi guys, Pocket Lint has teamed up with Philips TV for a a once-in-a-lifetime experience to go behind the scenes at Abbey Road Studios, the home of the Beatles and source of just about every famous movie track you can imagine. To learn about the new, state-of-the-art Philips OLED Plus 984 TV with its immersive Bowers & Wilkins sound system designed to create a movie experience like never before. To find out how to win your place at the event at the end of November, go to www.pocket-lint.com forward slash Philips O-L-E-D.